Harvard Divinity School. Nosologies, Black Tarot, African American Women and Divine Processes of Resilience, October 19th, 2022. Good afternoon and welcome to our first Nosologies event for the 2022 and 2023 academic year. I'm very happy to be here again with you. My name is Giovanna Parmigiani, and I'm the host of this series organized within the Transcendence and Transformation Initiative at the CSWR at Harvard Divinity School. This series focuses on ways of knowing that are often labeled as non-rational, traditionally referred to as noses in Western philosophical and religious traditions, and often understood in contraposition to science. These ways of knowing are becoming more and more influential in contemporary societies, popular culture, and academic research. What is the place of spirit possession, divination, and experiences perceived as out of the ordinary in our lives? How can we study and approach this type of phenomena? Going beyond dichotomies such as body and mind, ordinary and extraordinary, reason and experience, and matter and spirit, this series hosts scholars of different disciplines and practitioners interested in exploring and expanding the boundaries of what counts as knowledge today. Before introducing today's guest, one announcement, the Q&A feature of the Zoom is activated. Therefore, you can type there your questions for our guest, and I will try to ask them on your behalf, if time permits. It goes without saying, that if you have questions for us after the event, you can reach out to me by email and I will share them with our speaker. You can find my email address in the chat or on the CSWR and HTS websites. So it is with immense pleasure that I introduce today's guest, Marcelit Faia. Marcelit is a black and biracial educator and scholar of African heritage religions. Through a black feminist lens, her work explores how religions such as Yoruba Ifa, Haitian Voodoo, and North American Hoodoo are used for collective healing and social justice. As a practitioner of both Ifa and Hoodoo and a self-identified Black witch, Faya often holds ceremonial space in academic and community settings. Faya is a PhD candidate at Emory University, and thank you very much for being here with us today, Masudit. And thank you also for your work, because I think that besides being amazing is really very much needed. Uh, thank you. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. Thank you so much for having me. It is truly a joy and honor to be here. Thank you very, very much. So I first met you, Marcelit, through your published work, I have to say. In particular, I encountered the 2021 articles Black Tarot, African-American Women and Divide Processes of Resilience, and Black Femmes, Black Gods, Magic as Justice, and the 2022 article, Assembling an Africana Religious Orientation, The Black Witch, Digital Media, and Imagining a Black World of Being. So as both a tarot reader myself and a scholar of magic and politics, I was so happy <laughs> to have found you and your research. Um, so maybe let's start from here. Um, do you want to tell us a bit how you encountered your topic of research or maybe how it's it encountered you, so to speak? Yeah, um, thank you. Yeah, I was, it's been lovely to, to chat with you. Um, so my topic of research in terms of tarot? Or just in general? Well, in terms of tarot and of Black Witch. Yeah, um, yeah. I encountered. Let's see. I am a I'm a practitioner. Um, so, like I said, I'm a practitioner of Hoodoo and Ifa. Um, I grew up in um, my. So, like I said, I usually like to start with lineages. My uh, mom's side is African American from my people from Louisiana, um, and then on my dad's side, they're Sicilian, and um, my. Um, Mom is a practitioner of eclectic spiritual practices. Um, she was, she's, uh, does comedic, she works with the um, Egyptian gods, and then she also um, makes offerings to Odisha. So I grew up in it. Um, but I came into this research 
mostly because I was looking for um, community and other people who were practicing similar traditions. Um, and, and I'm also as a scholar of African heritage religions. Um, it, it was a good fit. Fantastic. I think I read in one of your articles that uh, your mom gifted you a tarot deck when you were very young, isn't it? Yes, she did. She gave me a tarot deck um, when I was 10. Uh, and so we were raised, I was raised in rural uh, Oregon and didn't have very many friends, rural KKK America. I didn't have very, very, very many friends. <laughs> and so I had a birthday party and my mom uh, uh, invited a few, few kids came and then she started reading people's cards. Um, and I think it was kind of scared evangelical America. <laughs> um, but after that, I started to realize, even though I was embarrassed at the time, I started to realize um, how important tarot is and how useful it is. Um, and I, I use it to navigate all kinds of issues in my life now. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's what the other question I was thinking, yeah, what is the significance of tarot to you and both personally as an object of research? Um, and what did you find among the interlocutors you interviewed and you spent time with? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, tarot, so, I mean, it's a, such an important process of um, connecting to oneself and connecting to the deities or connecting to your ancestors. Um, so, the, so the article is about, um, Black Tarot is about um, how African-American women connect to um, use tarot for resilience. And, I, and I, I pause a bit with that word um, because it can often mean um, uh, like the, it can often imply the characteristic of like the strong black woman and like we're always, um, nothing ever harms us, right? And that has denied resources for many people, um, but a, a, a temporary state of being, um, a temporary moment of overcoming and go, and moving through something, right? Um, so, so it's about how tarot helps with that process. Um, and I also look at how um, tarot is being constructed as an Africana religious um, cultural object, right? Um, so tarot originates in, um, I think it's, it's kind of unclear exactly where, where it comes from, um, but it's been linked to, um, to Italy, to Milan in the 15th century. Um, so traditionally European derived deck, right? Um, or tool, spiritual tool. Um, and, uh, and so I'm, I'm, I was, the article looks at how it's turned into a African, African, Africana religious tool by connecting to the ancestors, um, by um, placing uh, brown faces where there once were white ones, right? Um, there are many, um, uh, amazing decks like Black Power Tarot, um, Dust to Onyx by um, Courtney Alexander is an incredible deck, um, and then Tayana Lee McQuiller's deck, um, the Hoodoo Tarot, which I have right here, um, is a really a phenomenal, phenomenal deck. Um, but so yeah, so they're using it, so it's, it's, it's um, so Black Tarot is, you know, using the tarot to connect to the ancestors, um, or to connect to kind of an Africana religious worldview. Um, and ancestor veneration is something that's prominent across um, different African heritage religions. So in Haitian Voodoo and Ifa, um, uh, it's a very prominent practice. Um, and so I wanted to also share that um, in the, let's see, in the article, there's someone that I interview um, named Alicia, who talked about tarot being an important tool for her um, to navigate uh, her relationship with her deceased mother and, and also as a healing tool um, um, in conjunction with therapy. So she said, since my mom passed, I do a lot of consideration about what's on the other side. And I think tarot is one of those ways that I feel confident as a medium to do that. She says, I trust spirits on the other side to come through much more than she says I would trust a person. 
more truth in tarot than in therapy. She says, I love my therapist, I do, but it's not the same. She's really good about giving me skills and helping me understand myself. But with tarot, it's more of a connection to the ancestors. Uh, and there's something that feels grounding and safe about that. She says, as African-American pe people, I think tarot is a way to connect to the guidance of the ancestors that leads us to determine who who we're supposed to become or where we're supposed to go. As black women, whenever you talk to people, you have to explain so many parts of your, of your being and of yourself and of your life and your experiences and your history. And with tarot, you don't have to do that. So the cards are writing now. And so they help you in your life without having to educate them, right? So there's this connection. So I wouldn't say that, I think tarot is often, like I said, often used in conjunction with therapy, um, but it is um, very much a tool of healing and well-being and resilience. That's that's fantastic, a fantastic research. But I am a bit curious about, um, as a tarot reader myself, what deck mm -hmm. is your favorite go-to deck uh which one do you use the most and if your practice as a tarot reader change um in connection with your interlocutors and your research or if it transformed or remained the same how is the connection between your practice and 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 your work in a way yeah. um well right now i'm really excited about tiana's deck um and i love it because also because it has um so many so much history is in the in the uh, card so the major arcana are um famous uh hoodoo practitioners and she has she's just done so much research um and so you're learning as you're as you're uh, connecting with your your people um and has mine has my has it changed yes yes i think i do um just as a tarot reader, I think I, I reach out for readings more. Um, sometimes, um, sometimes the cards stop speaking. Sometimes I'm anxious or something, right? And the cards are kind of like all over the place. Um, and, and so sometimes I reach out to more experienced tarot readers to, um, or just another tarot reader in general, um, to kind of get a different perspective. Um, and so it's, it's, the research has put me in contact with a lot of incredible, uh, practitioners and I feel honored to be, um, connected with them. Thanks a lot. And I think, uh, we didn't mention where you mainly study did your research was it brooklyn was it um where where you mainly did your uh research yeah what area yeah so i did research um on black uh which witches um for my um for my dissertation um and i'm still still ongoing research um but most of my work was in, I, I spent some time in New Orleans, I spent some time in Detroit, um, and I sp spent some time in New York City. Um, I was just actually in New York City last past weekend. Um, and, and a lot of online spaces too. Online is such a wonderful community. Um, I wanna plug that next weekend for folks interested, there will be um, the Daughters of the Moon Black Witch Convention. I, still, I think you can still register and it is um, Saturday, all day Saturday and it's fantastic. Um, so please, please go. Um, but yeah, so I spoke with uh, practitioners who uh, are leading Black Witch discourse um, through um, their publications of books, through uh, conferences like Daughters of the Moon, Black Witch Convention, um, or Detroit Hoodoo Festival, um, and those who have shops such as um, the Motown Witches Shop in Detroit, Michigan. Um, and so, for instance, I spoke with Ielosha um, Oshunyami Akalatunde, who is a phenomenal Black witch. Um, she is an initiate to Ifa, I believe Oshun is her deity. Um, yeah, got to be yeah, Oshun. Um, and she has a YouTube channel uh, where she shares, she encourages um, mostly Black women and femmes to love themselves and um, um, find and take their power um, through an understanding of 
Africana religious tradition. So for instance, she uses the Aje to talk about, um, to talk about power, the Yami Aje to talk about um, internal power. So, so just some phenomenal people doing fantastic work. Um, another great black witch is Daisy October Latifa, who has a Blitch Fund um, who, um, where she donates money to um, uh, black women in need and uh, employs bone divination to decide on the funds recipients. Um, so, yeah, so I'm um, just kind of calling in their work and, um, and, and exploring what is um, kind of the broader political religious orientations that are developing out of, out of their work. Thank you. So I'm very curious about um, a number of things here, but first off, I would like to ask you whether you can uh, give us a link to the events on Saturday and to the web pages of um, the Black Witches you mentioned. Maybe not now because we are talking, but after the event, I can share with with the audience. Um, Anish asked, "What is the YouTube name for the Ifa Priestess?" She was you were just speaking of. Can you? Yeah, name? So it's a got to be ocean.org her name got to be ocean um i think this is it uh, i think we can maybe yeah. share um I'll, I'll send it. i will try to find a way to reach all of you and share all the uh, links to the shout outs that we are making uh, today, which are important ones. But if you can repeat the name of the event for mm -hmm. Saturday, I think um, that would be helpful. Can you sure. repeat, please? It's Daughters, D A W T A S, Daughters of the Moon. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it's daughtersofthemoon.com, I believe, is the, is, the, is the website. Thank you very much. So I'm there are a number of things I'm very interested um, about you and your research. So one of the things that um, one of the direction I would like this talk with this conversation to go towards is your role as a scholar practitioner. Mm -hmm. And I'm asking you this because I have lots of students um, at HDS who are very interested in positionalities like, you know, they're different from traditional academic one, mm -hmm. uh, ones in the study of religion. Um, and as a ethnographer who, when native myself, I am sometimes a scholar of some of the things that I practice, not all the time. Um, but I wanted to ask your take on it because you are very, um, uh, very clear in presenting yourself as a scholar practitioner. So I'm very curious about your take on this. Yeah, I think it's so important, um, especially in African, Africana religions, African heritage religions. Um, being a practitioner, like I said, is what got me into the work. It's what makes me invested in the work beyond my career. Um, it is, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's why I do this work. Um, and and I think that it really helped me um, know the traditions more. So, right, like I was reading a lot of books when I first started in my semi-coursework and, um, and even before that. And I don't, and even as a, as a solo practitioner um, and honoring the Odisha, um, I don't think I really understood Ifa until I joined in Ile. Um, and started dancing to the songs for Shango and started um, or, or started making offerings um, and doing all of the work that's involved, right? It's a lot of, a lot of work. <laughs> um, so then I really started to understand the, the materiality of the religions themselves, right? Um, and it's really hard to get that in books. Um, and, and a lot, I think a lot of scholars are practitioners, especially in these traditions. I'd say, I, my guess would be most, right? Um, I think some people who are openly um, out about being practitioners are Omoseke Natasha Tinsley, who practices Ifa, um, uh, Jackie Alexander, um, who uh, practices Ifa as well, uh, and um, the late Karen uh, McCarthy Brown, of course, who practiced Vodou and initiated, and of course, Zora Neale Hurston, who talks about being initiated into Hoodoo many times, right? So, I mean, it's just there's so many, um, and that's just a short list. Um, but I think that it's an important 
part of how, especially for ethnographers, um, in how you build connections with people and um, and build trust and um, and and stay in it for the long haul, right? Because often um, ethnography is a long process, um, and so that kind of practitioner scholar relationship helps you stay in it, you know. Um, and so and it also makes me think about spirit writing um, and how recently there is, um, uh, people are talking a little bit more about it. There's recently an article about um, uh, Lucille Clifton and she um, was spirit writing. She was connecting to the dead through her writing. Um, and she was connecting to, uh, I think, I believe her deceased mother. And then also um, this group of people who, um, she calls the ones who were um, there to kind of help her realize that humanity, we need to, we need to support each other um, as a species. Um, but so, so what the, what spirit writing, how I see spirit writing is I see it as a um, version of what Sadie Hartman calls critical fabulation, right? So a filling in of the archives um, with storytelling and with um, uh, critical theory, um, sometimes the, 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 it's missing, right? Um, so, um, and Jack, so in pedagogy, Pedagogies of Crossing, um, Jack, Jackie Alexander talks about how she was reaching out, she was in the British archives for a long time, was, wasn't finding anything on um, this Trinidadian woman, Kitsimba, and so, in order to, um, to connect to Kitsimba, she had to, um, she says, quote, um, uh, she had, well, she had to connect to her through spirit, to the spirit realm. Um, and she said that she affirms the belief that books are the, that affirms the, that the belief that books are the dwelling place of wisdom is mistaken. She says, we must look for knowledge in spirit, the earth and the self. Right, so sometimes when the archives don't have it, um, we need to supplement with, with more information. Um, another example is Maurice Conde's um, uh, I Tituba, Black Witch of Salem, where she talks about Tituba, the Black Witch, um, who was uh, accused of witchcraft in 1692. She was one of the first um, uh, people accused. And um, the only archives that are, are available are um, the only information in the archives that are available are um, uh, her confession that she said in order to, to be free, right? Um, and so in order to connect to her, uh, Maurice Conde uh, connected to her spirit and, um, and imagines that she is um, a practitioner of African-derived and Af African heritage religions. Um, and, and uses these tools to get free. Um, Kande says, she says, I had the feeling that Tituba was involved in the writing. Even when I left my pages at night in my study, I believed that she would go look at them, read them, and eventually correct what she did not like. I cannot say when we, when we really started conversing. Uh, however, all along during my writing the novel, I felt like she was there. I felt like I was addressing her, right? So I think, I, I think this is, I think that this is, frequent, actually. I think it's quite common that scholars kind of blur this line between um, the practitioner and the scholar. Um, and, and it's it's up to the, the academy to, to catch up, right? Um, how are we kind of, um, you know, navigating this line of the, the sacred and the secular in ways that are actually true for what's happening on the grounds um, versus kind of the the um, I don't know the other ways that the kind of text text based ideas that we tend to to stick stick to. Did you find some um, limitations or difficulties within the academic setting in inhabiting this space as a as a scholar practitioner? Mm. Um, limitations within the academy? Well, within the academy, within um, your own work, um, 
I think there are lots of benefits in, you know, embracing openly, as you just, you know, said, mm -hmm. uh, the fact that we are studying often and some, or sometimes at least um, what we are personally involved with. Um, mm -hmm. But there might be also some limitations um, in the practice of, you know, in the broader research practices and limitations within the academy. Um, we are in a very, um, um, unique space here at the CSWR where we we carved ourselves a niche where we can really talk about this type of things openly and really make put them at the center of our discussions but uh, in my experience there are not very many places like this one in which you know uh, we can do that and so I was um, curious to listen to your experience and to your take on this. Yeah I think some of the limitations um, well I guess it makes me think about my desires to implement this in the classroom. Um, so I've been experimenting with ritual in the classroom for a few years now. Um, I've done it in some uh, college classes. I've done it in um, some uh, conference at the NWSA and some community settings um, and have been working on um, doing rituals like manifestation, if we're talking about hoodoo, um, how can we do uh, maybe something like a petition, right? Or if we're talking about dreams in the Congo, um, can we talk about um, our own dreams? Or can we talk about how, you know, dreams have been sites of knowledge for African-Americans for a very long time? Um, and that has African roots to those kinds of, um, those kinds of ways of knowing. Um, uh, and so I think some of the, the limitations, let's see. I think some of the limitations are, you know, you don't want to, um, well, rigor, right? Um, making sure that students are, um, that there's some way to evaluate rigor in the classroom. Um, and then, and two, making sure that we're not kind of imposing certain beliefs on, on our students, right? And making sure that people feel comfortable with these practices um, and that their own religious traditions don't necessarily conflict. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, um, due to Christian supremacy, we have some, <laughs> we have some rules and grounds around um, this separation between church and state, right? Um, but also then how can we maybe do this um, differently when we're thinking about Africana religions? So, so that's, a, that's a little bit of a challenge. I think in my experience though, it hasn't really been a problem. Um, students have been, um, very receptive and, and have enjoyed it actually, um, uh, have writing or thinking about their own dreams or, you know, um, doing meditations or whatever um, in the classroom setting. It feels like a nice alternative to the kind of, you know, I'm talking at you for <laughs> an hour or something. Um, yeah, I think, which, oh, yeah. Am I cold calling you? Um, asking you if you want to do a small ritual within this space? <laughs> no, not at all. I was hoping you would ask. <laughs> I was hoping you would yeah. ask. So if you audience are okay with that, um, we would like to, to do some Marcelit, do you want to, to explain what you want to do? Yes, yes, okay, good. Um, so I, so this is based on, um, on the fantastic hoodoo reader, Black, Hoodoo reader uh, Tatiana Taro, follow her on Instagram. I'll send you her, her stuff. Um, but I wanted to do like a mini, mini reading with you all. Um, and okay, let me ground a little bit. <laughs> and, um, just to to give a bit of context, I mm -hmm. think this is one of the things that you might do in in the academic mm -hmm. space that you yeah. just talked about, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so. Um, I think this is a great place to experiment with other ways to be um, academic and use the academic space. Um, so let's try it out. Okay. 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 So I just ask you all to ground a little bit. Put your feet on the ground. 
Take a deep breath in. Take a breath out. Breathe out. Breathe in one more time. And breathe out. One more time. And out. So I want you to just think about something that is on your mind right now. That is just overwhelming. Um, a question that you have for your ancestors, a question that you have for your people, a question that um, you just need some guidance on for the rest of this week. It can be anything, it can be about your love life, can be about your money, can be about your job. Um, but just think about what, what do you need to know around this particular issue? What would propel you forward? What would move you forward? Take another deep breath. And just sit. Think about kind of what's been going on for you right now. Have you been overworking? Have you been anxious? Have you have you been feeling been feeling depressed? Have you been feeling thrilled? Have there been good people coming into your life? Or ones that you need to move forward from? Think about that. Okay, and I want you to pick a number between one and three. Card one, card two, card three. Pick a number. Whatever comes to you first is correct. Card one, this is from the Hoodoo Tarot, the 10 of coins. And I'm gonna read from the book just so I make sure I get it right. And uh, you can kind of see um, what Diana, Diana's approach to this deck. So she says, 10 of coins, happy, affluent family is spending time together during family game night. She said the coins uh, they are wearing and playing with were passed down from generation to generation. Every now and then ancient coins from as far away as Greece, Rome, and China are found throughout the United States and the United States. In hoodoo, old coins are considered very lucky. This is upside down, so you can read the cards right side up, or you can read it um, upside down. Upside down is usually negative. Um, which says broken families, shameful legacies, poverty-stricken families, money problems, rejecting one's heritage, fighting over money, unconventional behavior that causes family problems, new money, and pretending to have more money, um, material things than you actually do. So I think, um, I think what she's saying in this deck, I think if you picked one, then you would just be mindful about any issues with family and stuff right now. Um, maybe healing some, some family issues that might, might be arising. Um, yeah. Card two, 
you picked card two. It is the two of coins. We did lots of coins today. Um, that's a juggler. I'll show you the card. Uh, a juggler rides a unicycle as a huge uh, tidal wave rises in the background. He, draw, he has drawn a circle of protection around himself in the sand and hopes that all will be well in the end. And so it's upright. So the positive, I'll read the positive. She says, a well-balanced life, having your priorities in the right order, splitting responsibilities, reliable partnerships, multitasking and adaptability. So if you picked two, um, I think it's just a reminder to stay balanced, to um, remember where you're putting your energies and that that is a, um, just be mindful about where you're putting your energies, right? Um, and to ask for help when you need it as well. If you picked three, lots of coins. Yeah. Um, the four of coins. Mm -hmm. Four of coins. A man um, uses a douse, dousing rod to search for gold. He's using pine crosses, goose feathers, and brimstones as charms to aid him. It was common for whites to utilize the aid of root workers to find buried treasure. So the positive meaning, it was positive. It was upside, it was right side up. Um, financial security, material gains, sound investments, inheritance, careful budgeting, living with one's means, and saving for a rainy day. The message um, just being to just be mindful of your money. <laughs> um, to be mindful of your money and be budgeting and um, yeah, just to be aware of where your resources are coming from and, um, and honoring, honoring those places. So yeah, okay, take a deep breath. And just let those messages stick with you for a moment around family, around money, I'm being mindful about where your energy is going and making sure that you have balance in your life. Yeah, that's the Guru Tara, that's Tiana Lee McQuillers deck. Um, and as you can see, it's black tarot, right? Um, but I think I think that tarot is just such an important way to direct the decisions that we make. Um, there's so many, it's been so many times that I've used tarot to um, make decisions in my career, um, to uh, make decisions about who's in my life. And, um, and, and it impacts, it impacts scholarship, it impacts, um, yeah, I think I just think it impacts a lot of what we do as scholars. Thanks a lot, Marcelita. I think was very uh, generous of you offering us um, this ritual moment. And I encourage the audience, if you want to share with us some of your thoughts, feelings, emotions around um, this little ritual, you're uh, very welcome to do that. Um, I think it's great to recognize that we as academics, as scholars, as human beings arrive in this space with our own baggage of um, thoughts, concerns, um, desires, and recognizing officially that space within the academic setting, I think it adds value to, especially for us who study religion, to, um, to what we do and it's a community building practice. So thank you so much for sharing this and for doing that with your students in university. Um, and uh, we have a few minutes left and I would like to give some space to the audience uh, questions if you want. Um, 
Uh, and and C asks, um, have there been any pushback from traditional IFA practitioners regarding using tarot as a medium to connect with ancestors? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so there there are two. So there are two um, schools of thought around IFA. Um, I am a member of Anishesha Ile. Uh, which is an ile that practices um, traditions as close to Yoruba and Nigerian traditions as possible, right? Um, and so for them, they believe that you should pretty much exclusively practice um, practice Ifa and that other traditions, as you're practicing other traditions, um, that can kind of interfere with um, your connection to the Odisha. There are other organizations like um, UNILV, um, what is it, the United, the acronym, I believe it's the Odisha Bodun, um, can't remember the acronym, but they're another organization um, that believes more in terms of um, using what works and using the available tools, um, using what tools are available to create the desired results, right? Um, and so for them, they will practice Bodun, um, they will uh, practice Hoodoo, um, Tarot is very common, right? Um, so, so yeah, so it's a point of um, conflict, a little bit of a conflict, right? Um, between some some Ifa temples, um, it kind of just depends on the people. Um, but I, I, what I wanted to say about tarot, what I really love about tarot, is I do love its accessibility, and I think that um, hoodoo, going back to hoodoo, I think hoodoo was a tradition, is a tradition that was created in order to meet the needs of practitioners during. Um, during slavery, right? And so um, it, was a, it was a means of using whatever was available to, to help, um, help people be okay. Uh, so, and I see tarot as kind of the same way, like sometimes the, the traditions, like Ifa traditions might be um, closed and you have to find a mentor and, it's, and it might be more difficult, um, but, uh, but there is, there's beauty in, in kind of, um, just having something that you can buy at, at a regular store. <laughs> and I was gonna say a hot topic, um, but you know, I buy at a regular store and connect to your people and connect to the dead um, in the ways that feel good for you. So um, yeah, so to come back to that question, I think it's just a matter of, um, of, of Eli. Thanks a lot. So Samantha asks, what are your thoughts about practicing tarot as it's said to be a close practice from Romanian women? But I'm, I'm sure if this is a fact. I have not heard this before, but I wanted to hear your take. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know about um, tarot for Romanian women. Um, and I have never heard of it being a closed practice. Um, yeah, so I'm not, I'm not really sure. Um, for what I know, if I can chime in, um, mm -hmm. Tero, um go back to Italy, Renaissance Italy. So the northern part of Italy has been spread since. Um, so um, it, this is new information to me. So thank you for bringing it out. Mm -hmm. I wanted to mention because, um, um, you know, uh, I think it, Samantha, thanks. I think it was worth it, but uh, this is new to me. So um, I don't know. Um, so uh, something, a question about reverse cards. So um, mm. uh, Terry asks, I've read that there are some schools of thought like mine actually, mm. that do not use the negative side of cards, yeah. whether face up or down doesn't matter, all are read on the positive side. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think about this? Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, I read it, that way because um she has such that because tiana has such distinct uh meaning for each card um but i was actually the way that i was taught was to um re read them all 
uh, right side up for the positive meaning. Um, I also have a deck that is circular. And, um, and so if it's going, if the energy is going in one way, if there's like a, there's like a rod in the middle, if it's going in one way, um, then it's negative and if it's going uh, back up, it's in a clockwise motion, um, then it's a positive, right? So I've seen that as well. Um, but yes, I, I, have, I have seen, um, and I have read as just, just reading cards upright. Um, yeah, I think that most cards keep, have all the meaning in itself. Um, and I often read reverse cards as advice rather than um, personally, <laughs> rather than um, a positive sort of positive negative is not a um, binarism that I like. Um, and I want to uh, add that Ansi um, says the origin it has been told was in Egypt. Yes, I read about this version too. Um, uh, yeah, I just wanted to mention this. Um, Sheila says, what do you think of the philosophy of resisting using reversal in readings and instead accounting for the spectrum of energy indicated by the card versus the binary approach of positives versus negative and do you connect with mermaid culture as a spiritual gateway mermaid culture i'll uh, mermaid. take that question first um yeah mermaid culture i think when i think of mermaids i think of mami wata i think of um a collection of spirits from west africa i think of yamoja um the odisha of the um of the oceans uh, and of water and of um, of mothering and taking care of the young, um, and I also think of the Simbi um, in in from the Congo, um, and they're also a part of Hoodoo uh, beliefs and practices, and are often attributed as being um, water spirits as well. Um, sometimes they're seen as land spirits that uh, dwell in caves, um, but they are um, typically understood as energies that go through a process of reincarnation um, in the world of the dead. Um, and sometimes they're maybe more recent ancestors or sometimes they're really, 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 really old ancestors. Um, that just kind of take on the form of, of the water or of the rocks or, um, yeah. And so I think of them as, as, um, as mermaid spirits. Um, I, like I said, Yamoja is walking with me right now. So I feel very connected to that energy. Uh, what was the first part of the question? Oh, I can't hear you. Sorry, reversals, um, positives versus negative. I think we approach the reversals mm -hmm. aspect of it. Mm -hmm. um, Heather says, I adore Tayana's Hudu Tarot. Mm -hmm. It's been revolutionary in being a deck that connects directly to the land I occupy in Charlotte, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. I was curious if you have thoughts on regionalism and tarot mm -hmm. when it comes to ancestors of place as well as one's personal family ancestry. Mm -hmm. Regionalism, um, in terms of, in terms of connecting to a place, um, I don't. In terms of, yeah, I mean, I think I connect to tarot. Um, I, I mean, I connect to hoodoo from my Louisiana um, ancestors. And in this way, I'm connecting to, um, to the hoodoo tarot. Um, I like how uh, Tayana integrates a lot of the um, Native uh, American indigenous um, hoodoo pract practitioners and practices. Um, and she's... Um, and she, at least in speaking, is clear about um, where people are are, are coming from. Um, also, Hoodoo does um, 
before hoodoo really became kind of the widespread hoodoo that we know today after um, the after the great migration um, uh, black folks moving north um, that's when you kind of see it become more of like a, a collective practice with more established rituals um, but before that it was regional so you have um, uh, versions in like the Louisiana, um, Mississippi area. You have versions in um, some of the Gullah, South Carolina areas, um, but all along the, the Southeast, right? Um, Hoodoo was developing based on these particular regions um, and also based on the, um, also based on the, um, the African, the enslaved African folks that were there, right? Um, and the languages and the customs and the practices. Um, and then also the, the pharmacopoeia. So what do people have um, access to in terms of um, the herbs to, to heal or harm or poison or whatever. Um, so yeah, and, and then, and now kind of as we have like a more of a mass um, um, practice, I don't know. I, side thought it makes me when we think about regionally it makes me think now what online spaces are doing to hoodoo um and how um it might be changing some of the um beliefs and practices based on shared um no longer being regional but kind of you know um having different practices in different parts of the of the country um and creating more even more of a cohesiveness around um hoodoo's practice Thanks a lot. So Tegan asks, as white witches and neo-pagan people work to deconstruct and decolonize their practices, mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on white people working with the Orishas? Um, what are my thoughts on white people working with the Orishas? Um, I tend to think that Africana, African heritage religions, because of the, it can be so ancestral, um, even in uh, even in Odisha traditions, um, they, there's a lot of the first entities, deities, spirits that people say to go to is the Igun, is the ancestors, the Igun. Um, and there is a connection, there's a cultural connection to African um, ancestry even there. So I do think that these Africana religious traditions, at least on the, um, are more reserved for people of African descent. Um, I know that there are many European practitioners, um, but I think that um, more and more, um, there's also, there's also a political kind of orientation to these traditions too, that, um, and this is kind of what I was wanting to say about like a religio-political identity, um, because, you know, some people will say, um, for hoodoo, for instance, um, the ancestors are, the ancestors that help produce the desired results that happen in hoodoo are of African descent, right? So like Hi John the Conqueror um, is from Africa um, or they're the enslaved Africans. Um, uh, and, and so those, so the way that a lot of my um, interlocutors spoke about it is that they're, those ancestors are doing the work for um, other, for the African descendant descendants, right? Um, so in this way, it's kind of a, an element of um, the black separatism that we saw in the 1960s with groups like the Nation of Islam, right? There's still some kind of like understandings of um, black totality. Thanks a lot. Since we started a little bit late, I think, and there are very many questions for you, Mr. Lid, I think we have, um, Time for another couple of one with maybe shorter answers if you want. <laughs> yeah. No, that not. I'm long-winded. 
no, no. They require lots of, you know, contextualizations mm -hmm. on. But maybe if you if if you feel we can do shorter answers, I can ask you more questions. That's it. <laughs> uh, one of it is: Have you done any study on the experiences of African Americans whose familial past has completely been cut off from African and Black practices? What might that journey of return look like? And this is Brenda. Oh, I love that question. Um... That's so many of us, right? I think um, I worked with um, the great Louisa Tisch once upon a time. And she told me, she said, just say the great unhonorable ancestors. And that's enough. She said, that's enough. So um you know even if we don't know them by names even if they've been cut off from us um they're still they're still there you know um yeah thanks a lot and um anonymous uh, uh says uh why the word witch in haitian voodoo witches are seen as antisocial i wonder how practitioners respond to those labels yeah um okay so i chose to to work with the term witch for two reasons one because um people were self-identifying as such right um uh black witch in particular um daisy october latifa has a fantastic term blitch um, B-L-I-T-C-H, and I do not have the definition in front of me, but I have it almost memorized. Um, she says it's a conjurer, root worker, hoodoo, saint, work, saint working with African and African diasporic practices to heal and fortify themselves, their children, their elders, and the next generation of children to be. Yes, I memorized that. <laughs> it's a wonderful um term because it it speaks to the africana religious orientation but it also speaks to healing um and taking care of one another right um so i love that um and then also i also chose to move forward with it um because i really wanted to focus on a sense a sense of self right um a sense of self that is um innate a sense of self that has a where one has um powers such as speaking with the dead or healing through energy transfer um or manifesting one's desired results right and those kinds of um abilities exist outside of structures of religion um religion i see is more as the as the um the structures, the rituals, the protocols that help harness someone's innate abilities. Um, and um, yeah, so there's a, so, and, and I think there's, and I think there's so much power in, in this reclaiming that's been happening. Um, um, it's a feminist reclaiming, it's a black feminist reclaiming. Um, and it's, uh, I think, uh, Soraya Jean-Louis, who is a, artist in New Orleans, um, she said, and I think I have this quote memorized, she said, um, just saying the words black witch, so she says, it's like saying, get thee back patriarchal capitalist demon, get thee back, <laughs> right? So she's saying, you know, she's saying that these two terms are very opposition and very much in opposition to white supremacist capitalist patriarchy. Um, and so, yeah, we are, we are gonna define ourselves as such. So. So wonderful uh, conclusion here. Um, I think it's time to wrap up. Sadly, I wish this went on for a longer um, time. Thank you, Marcelit, for your participation and wonderful conversation. And thank you all for having been with us and for the wonderful question. And by the way, if you want to write them to me um, after this event, I will make sure to uh, forward them to Marcelit. Uh, please stay tuned on the activities of the CSWR, the Transcendence and Transformation Initiative and of Nauseologies. You can find all this information on the CSWR website that you can find in the chat box, including the registration link for our next Nauseologies event that will be on November 2nd. I will have a conversation with Professor Cristiana Giordano 
UC Davis and Professor Greg Pirotti, University of Arizona, on affect theater and collaborative meaning making, where we will discuss my guest's innovative methodology, affect theater, and how it can transform academic research. They will talk about the role of affects, emotions, and collaborative practice in academic and non-academic processes of meaning making. Thank you all for having been with us, and I wish you all a great rest of your day. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Sponsor, Center for the Study of World Religions. Copyright 2022, the President and Fellows of Harvard College.